0: Hi there, Dr. B here with your Module 2 Clarifying Lecture. Um, Usually I have more detailed notes, but this time around um, there wasn't much to say, so I'll be glancing over my notes a little bit more than usual. Um, And so I'll give you your feedback now. So um, first things first, I want to make sure that you know where to send your um, requests for tech support. I think a lot of you are going to the Mason IT department, this is not the place to go. Um, You want to go to the personal support center. And that information is in multiple places on Blackboard. It is on um, student resources and problem solving. It is on um, your module checklist, and it's at the bottom of each module. So if you're calling Mason IT and you're getting the runaround, it's probably because you should probably be calling the Personal support center. Um, Mason IT is not equipped to help in these seven-week online courses. So make sure you're calling the personal support center. Going to talk a little bit about your inner teach, and then also talk a little bit about your cyberat. So I'll start with the cyberat um, because um, for the most part they looked fine. Um, I gave you some feedback. Um, you all seem to be pretty much putting things together. I did see a bunch of you who did not do the self-eval. Remember that the self-eval is graded. So you do have to do that self-eval. And speaking of grading, um, some of you asked what the numbers were for. So on the left-hand side, of your Blackboard space, you should have a document that says common errors and grading codes. If you have not downloaded this and reviewed it thoroughly, please do so right away because this is these, this is the document that's going to tell you what errors you've made and how to fix them. Um, and I want you to review those because they are common errors they are things that you absolutely do need to know as you move through this program Um, and they are absolutely things that you need to know for the exam so um, something just to keep in mind with the BACB exam some of you might be at the end of your program or you might be coming back excuse me to uh, take the exam and have this second course um What we are finding in the pass rates is that there is a major difference between those who went through the fifth edition sequence and those who took the fourth, and now we're adding the fifth. A lot of them are struggling. Um, So if you're thinking, well, I made it through all this, and I don't understand why I have to you know, get this precise now, it's because the exam has changed. And um, the exam requires a lot more precision than it did before. So make sure that you are reviewing those common error codes and that you're studying them thoroughly because you will need them. Um, The other thing that I'm seeing is that I'm still seeing a lot of clinical explanations. How we do this to a client. With a client, we do this. When we shape, we do this with a client. I really want you to get away from that. I want you to think about shaping in the real world. So how are behaviors shaped in the real world? Um, How is your study behavior shaped in the real world? How is learning how to drive a car shaped in the real world? Um, And a lot of you will go to, you know, animal training, shaping, you know, sitting in a dog. Um, But I really want you to start thinking about behavior that is shaped in contexts that are not clinical, that have nothing to do with kids and have, you know, you can do animals, but I'd rather look at humans and see what you find, okay? All right, let's talk a little bit about your inner teach. Again, you know, I'm seeing some good stuff. So things are good. Um, I'm also seeing a lot of clinical examples again, um, and I'm also seeing a lot of people saying in ABA. Remember that this course is not ABA, is not an applied course. So we are not doing ABA in this course at all. This is not an ABA course at all. It is a science of behavior, behavior analysis, basic research course. Um, So in fact, I'd really like to see you move from saying you do ABA to saying that you're a behavior analyst because all of this stuff fits in. Um, And the science of behavior is affecting you right now. It's gonna affect you in your entire life. So it's not just, you know, this thing that you do to people, and I'm going to say this over and over, I'm probably going to say it seven times, and you're probably going to get sick of me saying this, but behavior analysis is not something we do to people, okay? It is not an application, it is not a therapy. It is this greater idea of that the world is lawful, what we do is lawful, It falls under, you know, these laws of reinforcement and antecedents and these networks of contingencies that end up kind of explaining why we do what we do. Now, is there a lot more to learn about this? Absolutely. Do we know everything about it? No, we do not. Um, Another thing is that research does not prove it supports. So um, right now we have a knowledge of the science That knowledge of science is going to change over time, and you have to really keep up with the latest findings in order to be a good clinician, a good practitioner, but also it's going to help you in your everyday life as well. Um, So let's talk a little bit um, about um, shaping and also the inner teaching in general. So, um, one thing is that you have to read in order to answer these questions. You have to read, you got to watch the videos. I'm seeing some people maybe not necessarily doing enough reading or not filling out the reading guides or, um, not watching the videos and as a result, they're trying to pull from prior knowledge and they're getting things wrong. So it's really, really, really important that you are reading Catania, that you are filling out those reading guides and that you are using class materials, not trying to go back to Cooper, not necessarily going back to BALC, but really using Catania to answer your questions because this stuff is super, super precise. Okay, and so that's really important that you have that precision as well. Um, another really important thing, I'm seeing, still seeing positive and negative behaviors, desired behaviors. Remember, there are no desired behaviors in basic research. There are only behaviors. Okay, anything we do is a behavior. And if you look at the Module 1 videos, you'll see that behavior is really radical or all-encompassing. Um, which is why we take a radical behavioral perspective. Um, So in behavior analysis, positive means to add and negative means to subtract, because remember we are a science, this is mathematical. So positive is the same thing it means in math. So addition isn't happy, subtraction isn't sad. Uh, Positive means to add, negative means to subtract. That's really, really super important. Another logistical thing is that I do not want any quotes in interteach. And the reason for that is because when you can say it in your own words, when you can translate that um, behavior analytic literature into your own words, that means you have more fluency. And so I can't tell how well you're grasping or how well you're mastering these concepts if you're giving me a lot of quotes. Actually, it tells me that you still have a little bit of ways to go. So I really want you to paraphrase and put this stuff into your own words. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the the questions. Um, so, first things first, let's talk about sensory, because you know there's a lot of stuff, especially if you're in, you're in the autism field or you're in RBT, you're like, "Oh, they need sensory input, or that thing is sensory." or one of the functions is sensory. Um, actually, the function is not sensory, it's automatic, okay, And that's different. Um, Automatic means that it is happening under the skin. So when we talk about sensory in um, behavior analysis, we're talking about things, That um, are information that is um, obtained through our senses. Now we know that there are more than five senses now. We used to think there were only five, we know there are way more. Um, But that is the information in which we act upon. Okay, it's not sensory integration. You can't be sensory seeking, you can't crave sensory input because. Pretty much, it's the information we're getting, and it's the only way we're going to respond. We're going to respond by the information from the environment, and then we respond to that. Um, And where is the environment? The environment can be under the skin or it can be outside of the skin. So, internal sensations can be antecedents to responses, um, but also things outside the skin, things we see, things we touch, things we hear um, our position in body of our body in space, things we taste, um, yada, yada, yada are things that we then respond to. So any of the stimuli that we respond to is sensory. Okay. So we're not talking about this like we would, you know, some sort of deficit in autism or sensory processing, um, because we really don't talk about all of that. We talk about these things as the information that we get. Um, a little bit about shaping. So first things first, you know, we talked about shaping. Why is shaping the a not an analogy to learning? Because you can learn in a lot of different ways, not just through shaping, okay? Learning can be one-trial learning. Learning can be chained. Reinforcement promotes learning. Um, And if you go a little bit back to those module 1 videos, you'll see in some of the videos in module 2, you'll see that learning is way more than just reinforcing successive approximations. It's not just differential reinforcement, which is what shaping is. It's much bigger than that. So we can't say that reinforcement shapes behavior because that is not true. Okay. It can be used in shaping a behavior. Okay, it can be a relationship that happens um, within a shaping environment, but not all behavior is shaped. Some of you talked about the phylogeny and ontogeny, which is also true. Um, some of our behavior is passed down through generations, so therefore it is not shaped. Um, and so you were good about that part, but there's also lots of different ways to learn, not just through shaping. Um and also, I saw something about shaping being for multi-step tasks, and that's not quite true either. So yes, there are many steps in shaping. But remember that we are, in shaping, we are refining a response. A multi-step task is a chain. Okay, so if there are steps to a task, that's chaining. If we're refining, it's shaping. Um, Let's see here, that, that, that seems to answer the shaping questions. Um, let's talk about observational learning, joint attention, and imitation. So observational learning is that um, we acquire behaviors in our repertoire by watching other people. And observational learning is very important. If you've ever gone to another country where you weren't sure about the culture or the cultural norms, what did you do? You watched somebody else. Um, your first day at Mason when, you know, or your first day in college, if you were on campus where you were trying to find out where to park or what classroom to go to or where to sit, what did you do? You watched everybody else and then did what they did. If your behavior was reinforced, you continued to do it. If it wasn't, then you didn't continue to do it. Imitation is a little bit different. So imitation is, um, repeating somebody else's actions so with observational learning you may or may not repeat somebody's actions but with imitation you have basically a point-to-point correspondence between what they do and what you do okay so you're um, you're imitating that and then joint attention a lot of people think that this is a kid thing but we do this throughout our lives so someone says look over there you look over you look back at the person you look back over there that's joint attention you're sharing information with each other. Okay. So joint attention is something that we do throughout our lives. It is a prerequisite to imitation. It's a prerequisite to observational learning. It's a prerequisite to communication. But these are the three ways that we learn. We learn through doing what other people do, watching what other people do, and also sharing experiences with other people. Okay, um, let's see here. Um, so I think we talked about that. So let's talk a little bit about classical conditioning. Um, I am seeing this even in the test prep stuff that reflexes are involuntary and that's classical conditioning. I think Catania kind of says that a little bit, but again, that's not the whole story. So classical conditioning is pairing a unconditioned stimulus with a neutral stimulus, and then that neutral stimulus becomes conditioned. So basically what it is, is a, it's a two-term contingency. It's stimulus and response, and that um, you're pairing one stimulus with something that's unconditioned, and therefore it takes on those properties. Um, we do this all the time. Um in a clinical sense, you know, pairing or building relationships is a classical conditioning thing. It doesn't have to be reflexes. So the pairing of the unconditioned stimulus with the conditioned stimulus results in what we call a reflex. A reflex doesn't have to be those things like the eye blank or the startle reflex or, you know, the thing that I don't have in my Achilles tendon, which is... Um, You know, the ability to jump when it's hit um, because I have an injury there. Those are biological reflexes, but there are also behavioral reflexes. And those are things that are conditioned through pairing. So um, conditioned aversion is, you know, if you've ever eaten something um, that made you sick, that's paired, that's classical conditioning, it's not a reflex. So there's biological reflexes, and there are behavioral reflexes, and it's important to know that these two things exist. Do we still use or do are we still affected in the real world by classical conditioning? Absolutely we are. Not everything has a consequence that we learn. Um, you may have been taught that early on, or maybe if you were an RBT, you were taught you know well everything has to have a reinforcer. Um, the things that we do in life are reinforced, most likely, but they may also be paired. So some some behaviors are paired and you know that and they are elicited. Some behaviors are evoked through the three-term contingency. But it's really important to know both of these because if something's, you know, conditional. So it's, you know, Pavlovian, then changing the consequence really isn't going to do anything. Um, If something is operant, then changing the consequence will do something. But it's important to know the difference between the two. And then somebody was talking about biofeedback. That was a quick question that somebody asked. Um, Is Catania's biofeedback the same as EMDR? No, 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 no. Biofeedback is a very different thing. So EMDR is cognitive. It is not a behavior analytic intervention whatsoever. Not going to, you know, get into the merits of it or whatnot um, or the evidence base, but it is not a behavior analytic intervention. Biofeedback is actually putting sensors on an individual and having them watch their heart rate and change the heart rate variability. It's um, measuring um, the perspiration on their skin and using that um, to teach them a different um, autonomic response. So biofeedback is very much about um, using information from measures of your biology to change that biology. It is not EMDR or any of those other things. Um, and I think that's, yep, we got all of those. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is how you can see your group members because I think some of you are having some trouble seeing your group members. Click on, don't click on the single balloon on the right hand side of perusal. Click on the two balloons right underneath it, and you will see your group members' responses. As a courtesy to your group members, please, 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 please try to put your answers in early on in the week rather than waiting until the end of the week because a lot of people are trying to get their responses in, they're trying to get their 15 in, and um, they're not necessarily able to do so because everybody's trying to scramble and do everything on Wednesday night. So please, 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 please. tackle your inner teaching as early in the week as you possibly can. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. I truly appreciate it. Have a great great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.